poets and intellectuals of this time, the innovative minds, the intelligentsia, those that are breaking down the barriers and choosing a bohemian existence, escaping from dreary suburban ideals and materialistic death traps. Where are these engaging people? The risk takers, the revolutionaries, those living apart from this big unrest, those escaping the sterility of corporate junkies who get high on materialistic consumption. Welcome to the Bohemian Beat. We will journey beyond the horizon and find the artists living on the edge, going down into the murky waters of their very existence, where these brave souls have re-emerged with art that is challenging, original and brutal. You have tuned into The Bohemian Beat. I'm ready with you until the end of the hour. Today on The Bohemian Beat, we are going to travel along the road of anarchy opening diverse pathways of seeing, of listening. Because if we can't see them, or hear them, or understand what the anarchists are telling us, then we will continue to be slaves to tyrannies we can't even fathom. American linguistic, philosopher, and political activist Noam Chomsky is also considered an anarchist. He identifies with the anarcho-syndicalism branch, the basic principles of arco-syndicalism are solidarity, direct action, action undertaken without the intervention of third parties such as politicians, bureaucrats and arbitrators, and direct democracy or workers' self-management. It is a conception of a very organised society, but organised from below by direct participation at every level, with as little control and domination as is feasible. Chomsky is also known for his dissident political beliefs, that is, beliefs that disagree with those who hold power. His lectures and writings have sought to expose what he views as government misinformation and the hidden influence of big business. In an interview, he describes anarchism. Anarchism is, in my view, basically a kind of tendency in human thought which shows up in different forms, in different circumstances, and has some leading characteristics. Primarily, it is a tendency that is suspicious and sceptical of domination, authority and hierarchy. It seeks structures of hierarchy and domination in human life over the whole range extending from, say, patriarchal families to, say, imperial systems, and it asks whether those systems are justified. I know what's 
on the sea I hear the sand under the wheel That's a cool breeze Oh, Eldorado won't stop running I'm drifting to sleep Drive me far away We left hand over heels All the world is lonesome Before you travel on it Let the wind run through my fingers There's a cool breeze coming from the sea The sand under the wheels There's a cool with The Road is Lonesome. Anarchy and non-violent peaceful protest was considered by the English romantic poet Percy Bysshe Shelley in his seminal poem The Mask of Anarchy. Now this poem inspired a fight back against oppression. He wrote the poem in 1819 after hearing of the Peterloo Massacre where British cavalry charged peacefully political demonstrators near Manchester. His words would later inspire figures as wide-ranging as Mahatma Gandhi and Henry David Thoreau, who took up the idea in his essay, Civil Disobedience, Resistance to Civil Government, first published in 1849. It argues that people should not permit governments to overrule or atrophy their conscience, and that people have a duty to avoid allowing such acquiescence to enable the government to make them the agents of injustice. Thoreau was motivated in part by his disgust with slavery and the Mexican-American War. The government, according to Thoreau, is not just a little corrupt or unjust in the course of doing its otherwise important work, 
But in fact, the government is primarily an agent of corruption and injustice. Because of this, it's not too soon for honest men to rebel and revolutionise. The writer George Orwell was an anarchist and supporter of democratic socialism. His work is marked by lucid prose, awareness of social injustice and opposition to totalitarianism. In his book The Road to Wigan Pier, published in 1936, Orwell writes, In the end, I worked out an anarchist theory that all government is evil, that the punishment always does more harm than the crime, and that people can be trusted to behave decently if only you will let them alone. In 1984, he explains how the tyranny of Big Brother continues its justification for perpetual war. The essential act of war is destruction, not necessarily of human lives, but of the products of human labour. War is a way of shattering to pieces or pouring into the stratosphere or sinking in the depths of the sea materials which might otherwise be used to make the masses too comfortable and hence in the long run too intelligent. This piece is from an excerpt from the end of the book, 1984. the lonely hour of 15. Café is almost empty. You sit at your usual place, drinking victory gin and studying the chess problems in the Times. Nobody pays any attention to you. You've even seen Julia again. There was no danger in it. On a cold, biting March day, you would come across her in the park. I betrayed you. I betrayed you. Sometimes they threaten you with something. Something you can't even think about. Then you don't care. You want it to happen to the other person. And that's what you keep shouting. All you care about is yourself. All you care about is yourself. You don't feel the same toward the other person any longer. No, you don't feel the same. What happens to you there is forever. Something is burned out. We must meet again. Yes, we must meet again.
Machine. And before that, an excerpt from the NBC University Theatre dramatisation of George Orwell's novel, 1984. Internet anarchist Julian Assange is one of many who are responsible for publications that have exposed a new transnational dystopia, hidden by secrecy, complicity and scale. Top-secret State Department cables reveal to the world what the US government really thinks about national leaders, friendly dictators and supposed allies. It brought to the surface the dark truths of crimes committed in our name. Human rights violations, covert operations and cover-ups. Julian Assange is the Australian writer, programmer and editor-in-chief of WikiLeaks. WikiLeaks achieved particular prominence in 2010 when it published US military and diplomatic documents leaked by Chelsea Manning. Since then, Assange has been under investigation in the United States for his involvement in WikiLeaks. In the same year, the Swedish Director of Public Prosecution opened an investigation into alleged sexual offences, even though no charges were laid and the cases dropped. A Kafkaesque situation ensued to utilise the Swedish legal system to hand Assange over to the Americans. In 2012, facing extradition to Sweden, he sought refuge at the Embassy of Ecuador in London and was granted political asylum by Ecuador. However, the British blatantly ignored international law and human rights, intending to arrest Assange as soon as he leaves the embassy, refusing to grant him safe passage to Ecuador. So since 2012, he remains inside the embassy with round-the-clock police guard to date costing over £11 million. Pounds. In 2013, the WikiLeaks organisation assisted Edward Snowden, who was responsible for the 2013 mass surveillance disclosures, in leaving Hong Kong. The New York Times stated that the WikiLeaks involvement shows that despite its shoestring staff and limited fund raising from a boycott by major financial firms, it remains a force to be reckoned with on the global stage. This next track is from an album called WikiLeaks, Beat the Blockade. It's been said that the first casualty of war is truth. And I'm inclined to agree. Listen, we live in an age of instant information. So isn't it strange that things have been hidden away from us? Governments think we need to gain their trust. But it's the other way around. Just take a look. Nothing tells us more than more data does. So it's important it's all available to us. Put up for debate and looked at by the public's gaze Because there's a lot more to be gained from taking off the ball and the chain And the blinkers that have been causing us pain in more than one way Power to the people, we've fallen away from it There's a formal name for this, it's called a dictatorship And censorship's not restoring our faith for shit So let's rip away the red tape and paper clips It's a shame that it's come to this for freedom of speech That we need a safe haven for people that leak you see, we speak what we seek And we deceive what we speak And that's the truth that's keeping us free The truth will set you free The truth will set you free The issue's prickly when it comes to WikiLeaks Different people see it differently and disagree Does it pillory the bigotry of ministries of tyranny Or is it merely hindering the coalition's victory? 
victory It's a mystery to me, but look at history You'll see that Liberty is eager to face up to inquiry We learnt a heap from Bradley Manning, didn't we? We saw conspiracy hidden beneath the sheet of anonymity This military intelligence is giving me the evidence We really need to step up and declare that we're fed up of it Why should we trust you when everything that does come through Shows we shouldn't trust you as far as we could chuck you Try to silence something, it'll become amplified Magnified by wires, waves and satellite We won't be pacified by the fact it's classified You need a mandate from the people to be ratified So on their behalf I shall provide this battle cry To tell the powers that be that we're clearly unsatisfied And if you ignore my reasonable plea That's just fine by me Cause all the media's seen The cause and reason for leaks It's more the freedom of speech It's also people's belief That we all need to be brief In order to keep all the peace We ought to police the police And that takes much more than just a formal PR release So all in all you see We speak what we seek And we just see what we speak It's the truth that's keeping us free Whistleblowers, of course, even if it'll throw us, of course, of course, cause if you need to suppress the truth, then I expect that you've got some regretful news, but it's best that you confess and soon before we end up less than destitute. Civilian deaths and executions are routine, more billions are spent on weapon producing. Do you think you can reduce the terror threat by inflicting terror on an infant that's never witnessed terror yet? Look, if Americans are taking my parents away, I'd never forget my vendetta till I'd settled the debt. It'd take more than an open letter to let you know that what we see is obviously not democracy, it's puppetry. This jungle's burning and we can't see the wood for trees. Sky's keeping us dry, so we need someone to leak. Because you see, we speak what we seek and we just see what we speak. It's the truth that's keeping us free. The truth will set you free. ever and thanks to everyone who's put their personal safety on the line in order to expose something that they feel needs to be known the truth will set you free you are listening to the bohemian beat broadcasting nationally since 2007 across a community radio network we just heard dan bull with his track wikileaks and the need for free speech Julian Assange has recently published a book with WikiLeaks called The WikiLeaks Files, The World According to U.S. Empire, published in August 2015. This book is the most comprehensive analysis of U.S. State Department cables to date. The introduction by Julian Assange exposes the ongoing debates on freedom of information, international surveillance and justice. The WikiLeaks Files is the first volume that uses experts to collate the most important cables and shows their historic importance. The book reveals how the US imposes its agenda on the world, a new form of imperialism that uses a variety of tactics from torture and military action to trade deals and soft power in order to expand its influence. It shows the details of the close relationship between government and big business in promoting U.S. goods around the world. I will read a passage from the introduction under the section War and Terrorism. 
The Dirty Secrets of Free Trade Imperialism To understand the WikiLeaks revelations and all that lies behind the violence and brutality outlined in previous chapters, it is necessary to understand the political-economic basis of this free trade empire. The American empire is of a new type in that its mission, its manifest destiny as it were, is a global spread and institutionalization of capitalism. The process that we now call globalization is often spoken of as if it were a natural, almost climatic process, a flourishing of the market that moves ahead and leaps and bounds as long as it is not impeded by state-imposed rigidities or artificial monopolies. This is rather akin to the way in which news media talk of the market, as if it were an angry god whenever a recession strikes or a bank collapses. And the image is profoundly misleading. There are markets, each leavened in its own way by cultural and political structures. But there is no the market. It requires political leadership and initiative to bring markets into existence, make them socially and economically sustainable, and develop rules and institutions that maintain them. It requires time and planning to incorporate populations into markets. The United States has been able to use its political dominance since World War II to develop, in an often haphazard or self-defeating way, a globally integrated economy in which its businesses are dominant and have privileged access to key markets and resources. The following piece is from an interview with Julian Estange by Ashen Ratanzi from RT.com. Okay, the book details genocidal U.S. policy right around the world, from Latin America to, to Asia, all in the name of liberalism, which uh, you, you write about uh, the, the, in your introduction. How does all the torture and killing work with the free market and the use of free markets? This uh, interplay between big American companies and the State Department and the U.S. military is something that's well documented in the cables. Uh, you know, you can see all over the world uh, U.S. embassies acting as a sales agent for Boeing, uh, for Monsanto, uh, lobbying to adjust European law, uh, even to create sanctions uh, or other, other penalties uh, in relation to Europe for not accepting uh, genetically modified organisms or forcing labeling. Now we know that maybe within a few miles of uh, this embassy, secret negotiations on uh, TTIP, the uh, free trade agreement, are going on. You've issued a reward for information. So one shouldn't see TTIP in isolation to all the killing and torture that's mentioned in the book? Well, the, the US empire, and it is correct to use that word, uh, it's not an empire in the classical sense. It's not like the Roman Empire. Uh, it's a little bit like the British Empire, but different. It's a modern empire. You wouldn't expect an empire in a modern age to look like an old empire. Um, now there's a uh, continental expansion of the United States. Yes, it has grabbed other territories like uh, Hawaii and effectively Puerto Rico and Alaska. Uh, but the predominant form that the US empire has is an empire of US bases. Uh, now more than 1400 US military bases in over 120 countries dotted around the world. Uh, and an empire of trade. And it uses these mechanisms of its embassies, of its military bases, uh, of its uh, presence uh, in organizations like the UN and IMF uh, in order to secure advantageous deals and structures 
for the largest American companies. Interestingly, not for the average American worker. So you, you, know, you hear about American interests. It's not the interests of the average American that are being pursued. Of course, it's the interests of the companies that are close enough to the government uh, to be able to have their interests reflected uh, in what US ambassadors do around the world. Yesterday that they've taken you away To be extradited to the USA They say that it's to Sweden That they're gonna take you first But the Yankees are pressing hard For revenge is what they thirst They persecute your website And they'll kill your funding too There simply isn't anything They'd hesitate to do They've used bullets, napalm bombers to get rid of who they hate And they're willing to use all these things to seal up your fate They'll be doing all they can To lock truth up in jail But what their efforts will come down to is one big epic fail They claim that you're a rapist But we all know it's not true Instead the cause for all this is what you and do. To spread the word about nasty deals, to spill their beans big time To tear the veil of secrecy that's covering up their crime If you lived in China, we all know what that would mean You would get a Nobel Prize and your own limousine Lots of good publicity for doing the right thing But you've taken on America And that's the biggest sin They say that you're a menace to society For delivering them low Revealing what the ruling class don't want us to know These Huckabees and Palins They all wish that you were dead But even if they succeeded Cutting off your head They couldn't turn the tide Their system's cracking at the seams You can always kill a man But you can never kill our dreams
listening to The Bohemian Beat, brought to you via the Community Radio Network. That was Junus Lane with The Ballad of Julian Assange. And before that, an interview with Julian Assange by Asheen Ratanzi from RT.com. This is The Bohemian Beat, and today on the show we are exploring anarchy, exposing modern tyranny. The recently published book, The WikiLeaks Files, The World According to U.S. Empire, reveals how the internet has become a threat to human civilization and how the internet has been transformed into the most dangerous facilitator of totalitarianism the world has ever seen. Assange's early ideas helped articulate the cypherpunk movement that emerged in the late 80s and early 90s. A cypherpunk is any activist advocating widespread use of strong cryptography as a means to social and political change. Julian Assange's 2012 book, Cypherpunks, Freedom and the Future of the Internet, examines society's relationship with computer security. I quote from the book. The new world of the internet abstracted from the old world of brute atoms, longed for independence. But states and their friends moved to control our new world by controlling its physical underpinnings. The state, like an army around an oil well or a customs agent extracting bribes at the border, would soon loon to leverage its control of physical space to gain control over our platonic realm. It would prevent the independence we had dreamed of, and then squatting on fibre optic lines and around satellite ground stations, it would go on to mass intercept the information flow of our new world, its very essence, even as every human, economic and political relationship embraced it. The state would leach into the veins and arteries of our new societies, gobbling up every relationship expressed or communicated, every web page read, every message sent and every thought googled, and then store this knowledge, billions of interceptions a day, undreamed of power in vast top secret warehouses forever. It would go on to mine and mine again this treasure, the collective private intellectual output of humanity with ever more sophisticated search and pattern-finding algorithms, enriching the treasure and maximising the power in balance between inceptors and the world of inceptees. And then the state would reflect what it had learned back into the physical world, to start wars, to target drones, to manipulate UN committees and trade deals, and to do favours for its vast, connected network of industries, insiders, and cronies.
This is a bohemian beat, and that was Conjure One with Under the Gun. Julian Assange has stated that strong cryptography is a vital tool in fighting state oppression, saying that was the message of his book, Cypherpunks. Cryptography is the ultimate form of non-violent direct action, and cryptography in this context is a method of secure communications over the internet effectively allowing our intellectual life to gain proper independence from the security guards of the world, the people who control physical reality. Another representative of WikiLeaks and contributor to Cypherpunk's Freedom and the Future of the Internet is Jacob Applebaum, an American independent journalist, computer and security researcher. He is a core member of the Tor Project, a free software network designed to provide online anonymity. Due to his involvement with WikiLeaks, he has been repeatedly targeted by US law enforcement agencies who obtained a court order for his Twitter account data, detained him at US border after trips abroad. He now lives in Germany in exile. For fear of his life, and for fear of being imprisoned in the US due to his work with WikiLeaks. This next piece is from an essay Jacob Applebaum wrote for the foreword of a novel by Corey Doctorow called Homeland. Utopia is impossible. Everyone who isn't a utopian is a schmuck. Corey asked someone to write to the children of the newest generation and to say something to inspire them, to write something that would encourage them to take up the cause of bettering the world. That's you or someone you love. When you're finished, please pass this book on to the person who needs it most. Everything good in the world comes from the efforts of people who came before us. Every minute that we are able to enjoy in a society that is not ruled by senseless violence is a minute given to us by the hard work of people who dedicated their lives for something better. Every person we meet is carrying his own burdens. Each person is the center of her own universe. There is so much left to be done, so many injustices to right, so much suffering to relieve, so many beautiful moments to be lived, an endless amount of knowledge to uncover. Many secrets of the universe wait to be uncovered. The deck from which our hands are dealt need not be stacked against us. It is possible to create societal structures that are just and capable of reasoned compassion for everyone. It is possible to change the very nature of our lives. It's possible to redesign the entire deck, to change the very face and the count of the cards, to rewrite the rules and to create different outcomes. We live in the golden era of surveillance. Every phone is designed to be tapped. The internet passes through snooping equipment of agencies that are so vast and unaccountable that we hardly know their bounds. Corporations are forced, though some are willing enough, to hand over our data and data of those whom we love our lives are ruled by networks, and yet those networks are not ruled by our consent. These networks keep us hooked up, but it is not without cost that they keep us hooked together. The businesses, the governments, and the individuals that power those networks are incentivized to spy, to betray, and to do it silently. The architecture of the very systems produces these outcomes. This is tyranny. The architecture of our systems and of our networks is not the product of nature, but rather the product of imperfect humans, some with the best of intentions. There is no one naturally fit to survive in these unnatural systems. There are some who are lucky, others who have adapted. This letter to you, 
from your perhaps recent past, was written with free software, written as a labor of love by someone who wished to help the children of Uganda, while flying over an expansive ocean at difficult-to-understand heights. It was composed while running under a kernel written by scores of people across every national line, across every racial, sexual, and gender line by a socially and politically agnostic engineer. It was sent through multiple anonymity networks built by countless volunteers acting in solidarity through mutual aid, and it was received by an author who published it for a purpose. What is the common purpose of all these people? It is for the whole of our efforts to be more than the sum of our parts. This creates a surplus for you, to give breathing room to others, so that they may take the torch of knowledge, of reason, of justice, of truth-telling, of sunlight, to the next step, wherever it may lead us. There was a time when there were no drone killings. Societies have existed without armed policemen, where peace is not only possible but actually a steady state, where mass surveillance was technically and socially infeasible, where fair and even-handed trials by impartial juries were available for everyone, where fear of identification and arrest was not the norm but the exception. That time was less than a generation ago, and much more has been lost in the transition from one generation to the next. It's up to you to bring those things back to our planet. You can do this with little more than cooperation, the internet, cryptography, and willingness. You might do this alone or you might do it in a group. You might contribute as a solitary person or as one of many. Writing free software empowers every person, without exception, to control the machines that fill our lives. Building free and open hardware empowers every person, without exception, to construct new machines to free us from being slaves to machines that control us. Using free and open systems allows us to construct a new basis by which we may once again understand as a whole the systems by which we govern ourselves. We are on the edge of regaining our autonomy, of ending total state surveillance, of uncovering and holding accountable those who commit crimes in our names without our informed consent, of resuming free travel without arbitrary or unfair restriction. We're on the verge of ensuring that every person, not one human excluded, has the right to read and the right to speak without exception. It's easy to feel hopeless in the face of the difficult issues that we face every day. How might one person effectively resist anything so much larger than herself? Once we stop acting alone, we have a chance for positive change. To protest is to stop and say that you object. To resist is to stop others from going along without thinking. And to build alternatives is to give everyone new choices. Omission and commission are the yin and yang of personal agency. What if you could travel back through time and help Daniel Ellsberg leak the Pentagon Papers? Would you take the actions required? Would you risk your life to end the war? For many, it is easy to answer positively and then think nothing of the actual struggles, the real risk, or the uncertainty provided without historical hindsight. For others, it's easy to say no, and to think of nothing beyond oneself. But what if you didn't need to travel back through time? There are new Pentagon papers just waiting to be leaked. There are new wars to end, new injustices to make right, fresh uncertainty that seems daunting, where success seems impossible. New alternatives need to be constructed. Old values and concepts of justice need to be preserved in the face of powerful people who pervert the rule of law for their own benefit. Be the trouble you want to see in the world, above nationalism, above so-called patriotism, above and beyond fear, and make it count for the betterment of the planet. Legal and illegal are not the same as right and wrong. Do what is right and never give up the fight. This is one idea out of many that can help you and your friends free our planet from the tyranny that surrounds us all. It's up to you now. Go create something beautiful and help others to do the same. Happy hacking. Anonymous. 
dedicated to all spiritual activists, truth seekers, and peaceful warriors worldwide. I regard myself as a soldier, though a soldier of peace. Once upon a time, not long ago, there was a boy who would grow and become a great soul. He lived in India, and his name was Gandhi. He believed in human rights, and he fought for equality. He felt so strongly that he trained himself, cause he realized first he'd have to change himself. He changed his clothes and decided to walk. Some days he practiced silence and refused to talk. When he was young, he studied to be a lawyer, and then he became a great spiritual warrior. He read from the scriptures of every religion, and came to the realization that we're all God's children. Because he understood that we're all equal, he became a spokesman for the people. A karma yogi, devoted to service, to spread truth and peace was his purpose. You gotta be the change that you wanna see in the world. Be the change, just like Gandhi. Be the change that you wanna see in the world. Just like Gandhi Gandhi dedicated his life to the cause Even when it meant breaking unjust laws He often faced prison and incarceration But that only strengthened his determination He said he would make every sacrifice But that he would never kill or take a life He used his heart instead of his fist And he taught non-violence as the way to resist A peaceful soldier who used his mind To fight for the rights of humankind But not just people, animals too In his basic teaching, God is truth he joined Muslims, Sikhs, and Hindus, Christians, Buddhists, Jains, and Jews. All the many paths that lead into the light that shines bright inside of me and you. You gotta be the change that you wanna see in the world. Be the change, just like Gandhi. Be the change that you wanna see in the world. Just like Gandhi. Be the change that you wanna see in the world. Be the change, just like Gandhi. Be the change that you wanna see in the world. Just like Gandhi. Gandhi taught an eye for an eye makes the whole world blind And it takes more strength and faith to be kind With that in mind, Gandhi took a stand Against the foreign occupation of his land When things got violent, Gandhi would fast Not eating for days until the riots would pass But the biggest event that made the British halt is when Gandhi G decided to harvest salt. The British Empire installed a salt tax, and stealing salt was an unlawful act. So Gandhi and his peeps took to the streets. 10,000 deep, they marched to the beach. But when they arrived, they were beaten with clubs. But they didn't fight back, instead, they chose love. The foreign military realized they were wrong, and eventually decided to go back home. You see, Gandhi G was a very great leader, but before all that, he was shy and meager. As a young child, he was just like you and me Before he became Mahatma Gandhi The word Mahatma, it means great soul And it's inside of us just waiting to unfold If you follow your heart and act real bold Next time it'll be your story that's told You gotta be the change that you wanna see In the world, be the change Just like Gandhi Be the change that you wanna see In the world, just like Gandhi You are listening to The Bohemian Beat And that was MC Yogi with be the change. And before that, Jacob Applebaum reading from an essay he wrote for Cory Doctorow's book, Homeland. Many people have visited Julia Assange in the Ecuadorian embassy in London, including the likes of Noam Chomsky and Arundhati Roy. Arundhati Roy is an Indian writer who won the 1997 Booker Prize for her first novel, The God of Small Things. 
She is also a political activist involved in human rights and environmental causes. This next piece, Confronting Empire, is from a series of talks by Roy called Public Power in the Age of Empire. And we will have to end on that note. I hope you've enjoyed the show today. For more information and podcasts, check out the website, thebohemianbeat.com. I'll be back next week, same beat time, same bohemian frequency. Thank you for joining me on The Bohemian Beat. I'm ready. The thing to understand is that modern democracy is safely premised on an almost religious acceptance of the nation state. But corporate globalization is not. Liquid capital is not. So even though capital needs the coercive powers of the nation state to put down revolts in the servants' quarters, this ensures, this setup ensures that no individual nation can oppose corporate globalization on its own. Radical change cannot and will not be negotiated by governments. It can only be enforced by people, by the public, by a public who can link hands across national borders. So when we speak of public power in the age of empire, I hope it's not presumptuous to assume that the only thing that is worth discussing seriously is the power of a dissenting public, a public which disagrees with the very concept of empire, a public which has set itself against incumbent power, international, national, regional, or provincial governments and institutions that support and service empire. What are the avenues of protest available to people who wish to resist empire? I don't mean, by resist, I don't mean only to express dissent, but to effectively force change. Empire has a range of calling cards. It uses different weapons to break open different markets. You know, the checkbook and the cruise missile. For poor people in many countries, Empire doesn't always appear in the form of cruise missiles and tanks, as it has in Iraq or Afghanistan or Vietnam. Sometimes it appears in their lives in very local avatars, losing their jobs, being sent unpayable electricity bills, having their water supply cut, being evicted from their homes and uprooted from their land. All this overseen by the repressive machinery of the state, the police, the army, the judiciary. It's a process of relentless impoverishment with which the poor are historically familiar. What empire does is to further entrench and exacerbate already existing inequalities. Even until quite recently, it was sometimes difficult for people to see themselves as victims of the conquests of empire. But now local struggles have begun to see their role with increasing clarity. However grand it might sound, the fact is that they are confronting empire in their own very different ways. Differently in Iraq, differently in South Africa, in India, in Argentina, and differently for that matter on the streets of Europe and the United States.